You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I hope you have a devotional life. I hope you have a time where you get alone with the Lord every day. Um, and certainly, if you don't do it every day, please tell me several times a week, you, you have a time you get alone with the Lord and talk to God because the life's greatest issues were never intended to be handled by people. God has to handle those, and God knows that. We do our part, and I step out and pray and take off and do what I can do. There's some things in life that only God's going to be able to do, and it's in His presence where those needs are going to be met. And I trust and pray you have a time you get alone with the Lord and let God do some great things in your life. I appreciated the song. Open your Bibles. We're back in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's, um, we're going to continue in, uh, we're, we've, we're going to call the book of Ephesians God's treasure box. It's not as if there's not treasures in every passage of scripture, but it's like God is saying, can I just flip open a lid on something here and show you guys what I've provided for you and what I've given to you? And if our eyes are open and if we are, you know, we're here today on purpose, uh, we're awake, so to speak, and we're really longing to hear what God has for us. I mean, God has some tremendous things to share with us in this book. And so he breaks into chapter 2 and begins to tell us a whole lot more that God has given, done for, to us, that just honestly and truly when I look backwards in my life, see what God has done for me, it's just an amazing thing what the Lord has done. So you follow along with me. We're going to read Ephesians 2 and drop down to verse, well, we'll read down to verse 10. So he continues, and he's talking to us, guys, now that we're saved. He says, and you hath he quickened who were dead. Now, you could stop there, and that would be stunning. But he explains it further, dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, uh, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation. Whenever you see that word, typically in the Bible, it's referring to a lifestyle. It's not wording necessarily that is being said. It is your words, but it's your entire life, the way you're living it, uh, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh. Anybody remember those days? Remember what they used to be like? Uh, Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others by nature, meaning nobody had to train you for those things. Those things just came out very naturally inside of us. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath 
quickened us together with Christ. By, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I love that verse. Explain it here in a little bit. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I have an idea that most of us could have just quoted that by memory. And then verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now let's have prayer, and I'm um, anxious to get into these thoughts here this morning. God, I thank you for bringing us to church here this morning safely and that we've come to hear the word of God and we want to give you the glory that's due to you. So help us, Lord, to understand true worship, bowing before the Lord in adoration and, and love. And I pray that you'll just take this time together. God, make it sacred. I pray that we would be in the presence of Jehovah, our God and our King today. Please work in our hearts and lives. God, please look at our families today. Please, God, and help us. Every individual here this morning, we need that voice speaking to our hearts, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. School's in now, I believe. Everybody in school now? I see the relief on the parents' faces. Um, so when school was out, I just remember, I mean, as far back as I can remember, uh, elementary on up, I just could not wait for, for the end of May, beginning of June, because that was, that was break time, and man, it was freedom. I no longer had to go to this class and that class. Um, you know, I could run in the house and get whatever I wanted to eat. Do, you know, it was, just, it was just a great time. And I would spend my time, I just would just daydream, you'll never believe this. My wife will have a hard time understanding this about me, that I could just fall off into daydreaming. Um, she's always telling me, you're drifting, you're not paying attention, but I, you know, I would think about, man, when I get out of school, I'm not going to be here in a sitting at a desk, uh, me and my friends, we're going to go back in the woods, we're going to catch frogs, we're going to, and there were these big river rocks, big flat rocks uh, that had, was dried clay, and we'd flip those over, and we'd catch the snakes, and we would just, we'd have a great time, our slingshots and everything, and man, I had my summer all planned out, first day of freedom. My dad walks up to me. Oh, man. You know what that does to freedom? And my dad always wore a cap, and he, he pulled his cap off, and he said, he said, now, son, when I, when I come home from work in the morning, or tomorrow afternoon, he says, I, I need you to have, and, and my dad had this in his mind that I wasn't going to live in freedom. My dad had a plan, and it had, I guarantee you, it either had something to do with the garden, which was 50 square miles, at least in my mind it was, and, or, the, or, the, or the yard that I was going to have to trim, mow, uh, whatever, uh, and uh, lots of things. Maybe it was into the garage or something like that. So my dad had determined that my life was not going to be lived just however I wanted to live my life. My dad had a purpose and a plan for me. My dad had a purpose to develop character in the life of a young man so that when that young man was no longer the young man, he understood life 
has a purpose. Life has a plan. And, I, and, and I'll you know, change that a little bit. God has a plan for my life. Most of the world lives their life like school's out. You know, we get off work, go do what I want to do, and you don't hit the woods and catch the frogs and snakes, but I mean, it's, uh, it's the things that they really enjoy doing. Um, you know, pull out the six-pack, sit back and watch whatever they want to watch or pull something up and watch it. Uh, go do what I want to do with the guys or the gals or whatever it is. And that's kind of the, the world's idea. And to be honest with you, life is frivolous, has no real purpose and meaning. And when I got saved, I had another father who came to me and said, son, I have a plan for your life. And he put purpose into my life, gave me a reason to live and showed me that life can be more exciting than anything I've ever done or how I've ever lived my life. And God shows us here today, I have a purpose and a plan for your life. It's not to live frivolously, to go out and just uh, live life as you please and do anything that makes you happy, but there's a purpose for your life. And you need to know what that purpose is and let God lead you in that plan. You'll never be happier than when you know you're following the lead of God for your life. So getting into the message this morning, uh, my title to my message is God's eternal purpose revealed for us. God's eternal purpose revealed for us right here in this passage of scripture. And to do so, here's what God does. God takes you to your past and goes into your present and then kind of extends it on into what will eventually be our future, the things that I'll be doing, not just today, but on into uh, the rest of my life. And it's rather exciting when I stop and think about it. Sometimes when I look into the past, uh, and, and you can relate with me, some of you can remember what it was like before you got saved. Some of it, I mean, some of you say it's miserable. I grew up in a Christian home, and my dad, before I got saved, did his best to make me look like a Christian. I mean, he wasn't trying to make me a Christian by my actions and things like that. He knew I had to get saved, but in my house, you lived the way dad said to live, and we lived like Christians in the house. But in my heart, I lived a life of rebellion. I lived the way Philip Spencer wanted to live till I got saved. And again, put that purpose and plan in my heart. Let me, let's get into these thoughts here this morning. Let, let's see, uh, first of all, um, let's go into the, the past, past, present, future, if you want to look at it like that. What did God bring us from? What did I get lifted out of? I, I love when, the, uh, was it the psalmist that said he uh, took me out of the miry clay? set my feet on a solid rock. He established my goings. Praise God. Remember when you were still in that miry clay and your life was just whatever you wanted to do and you thought, man, this is the life and yet things were falling apart. Maybe some of you, your marriages weren't doing so good. Maybe your health wasn't so good. Finances were falling apart. I mean, who knows what all it was, but I just know when, you, when, you're, when you're not saved and you're not living for God, it's a lifestyle I just soon forget about. But God reminds us. I, there's an old song. Um, do you, anybody remember? Roll back the curtains of memory now and then. Show me where he brought me from and where I could have been. Remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. And he does. Let's look at it here um, this morning. Verses 1 to 3. Follow me again. And you hath he quickened. 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. You know who that rascal is. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I mean, that's satanic. That's who used to lead my life, who used to lead your life. And he still works in the lives of those who aren't saved. Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past. Praise God, I love that word. Uh, In the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And were get the wording here, by nature. That's just who we were. By nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Now, first of all, he makes it known to us that he's talking to those of us who have been, look at the wording there, you hath he quickened. And I'm like, what's a good way of describing that? I know down through the years, I I remember the first time I preached from this passage, all I could think of was Nestle's, what's the next word? Quick. And I remember that little rabbit, I think it was, on the front of that package and how fast he could run. And I thought, man, that's a good example. You hath he quickened. He's made alive is what that word means there. I mean, is uh, anybody here saved on your way to heaven today? Can anybody just say a little amen to that? I'm not ashamed of it. It doesn't bother me to say that in a church service or anywhere. I'm saved. God says, I made you alive. That's what he's talking about there. Might do all of us a little good here this morning to look a little bit alive, amen? And like I'm wide awake and I'm ready for this service, but he's not just talking about the eyeballs. God's talking about a man's soul that was his spirit that was dead in our trespasses and sin. And he's talking to those who have gotten saved, okay? And he's got some things that he wants to make us aware of that's going to reveal what God has taken us, guys, taken us uh, from to where we are today and it's going to help us to know why God saved us. God, why did you make me alive? And why didn't I, you leave me laying there like some dead animal? Why did you give life to me like I, I have today? And he says, let me just walk through that with you if I can. First thing he says to those who've been brought back to life is, you were dead. Notice it in verse 1 again, you hath he quickened to were dead in trespasses and sins. Please listen to this. I I hope you're all saved today, but man, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus and you're just good and religious, or you might even throw that off and say, don't call me even religious, I'm just here. (laughs) Okay, then do understand today how God looks at you. God says you are dead. You know, I'll show you how dead I am. I'll get up and walk right out of here. I'm very much alive no the reason you would get up and walk out is because you are dead on the inside you don't have spiritual life it's what god's trying to say and and remind us about you remember how good adam had it back in the garden of eden and how well things were and and uh, god said eat of all these trees you want but he said there's one tree i don't want you to touch that tree that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and and when you touch that i just want you to be very well aware the day that you eat of that fruit thou shalt surely fill the word in die your spirit on the inside will die the spirit of man died that day that's why his physical life was able to to live on for years after that though the spirit had died inside of him and because of that guys because the spirit in man died, we now have no way to be able to have communication with God because God is spirit. And the way we communicate with God is with a spirit that's been made alive. So then he tells us, 
why we were dead because we were in trespasses and in sins you say well i've never killed anybody i've never robbed a bank you ever told a lie no oh that's number two maybe five maybe 100 now we've all sinned you were born a sinner david said i was conceived in sin we have that sin and those trespasses that uh, are, are upon us. And um, Isaiah 59, Isaiah tried to explain it to us. He looked at Israel and, and tried to make it make sense to them. He says, guys, your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God. And there's, I know I use this passage often, but there is this huge wall that stands between you and an almighty God. And that wall is the wall of your sin. You're dead because of that. Uh, and, and because our spirits were dead, he says you walk just like the rest of the world did. Look at it in verse 2. So he says, wherein in time past, ye walked, past tense, because he's talking to saved people now, but ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Those three phrases, wow, they have a whole lot packed into them. But we walked according to the course of this world. Now, uh, have you ever stood back and said, how in the world can this world be so wicked? How can, uh, and I, man, I've been seeing a lot of it in the news where some daddy gets so upset at his wife, she has dissed him or something or, or said, I can't take you the way you are, you know, it's, and he was being really, I mean, beating the woman and all that. And she said, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm leaving you. And she'll take the kids and go away and then come to find out that dad finds that wife and those, those three little kids and will kill his own wife and those little kids. And then to turn the gun on himself. How does somebody do that? It's because they're walking according to the course of this world, guys. Please get this. The course of this world is wicked. It's led by an ungodly spirit. You'll find out here in a minute it's, it's because of that prince of the power of the air. It's the, the, the spirit of Satan that works inside of every lost man. It's the reason lost people act like lost people. It's the reason, you know, we talk about the terrorists and the, and the inhumane isn't even, a, I, I think, a word that expresses it deeply enough the inhumane things that they do to other people's lives, beheading people and, and the torture that they take place with or they do with those people. How does somebody live a life like that? Well, it's just very easy to get there if you don't have Christ as Savior and you're dead inside. You are walking according to the, look at it, the course of this world. Uh, in verse 2, according to the prince of the power of the air. And I'm going to tell you this, the old devil is a liar. The Bible says he's a murderer. And if he can get his spirit to work inside of any one of us, if he can just allow a, a dead man. You, you know something that is so popular today? Let's see. Zombies. I had to think of that word. I can't believe how many people like that stuff. Number one, it's dumb. Really? People like that stuff. I can't believe that. A bunch of dead people running around. Ball bats and things. And I, I can't believe that. But you understand, before you got saved, you were walking dead men. And you were living by however that spirit that's in this world, uh, the spirit of Satan, was leading you to go. 
And in some cases, had you by the noose and the nose, and wherever he wanted you to go, you'd go, and whatever he wanted you to do, you would do. And he says it's that same spirit that works right now in the children of disobedience. In other words, let's make that real. That means if you walk out these doors right now and get into certain places in this city, you can find people who don't know our Savior and don't know what it's like to be saved and have life inside of them. They're dead inside, and they're living according to the course of this world. Church means nothing to them. Worshiping God means nothing to them. It's a Christmas Easter kind of a thing, and, and that's even been divided in half. Most of the time, people are so busy now at Christmas time, you can't get them to come because they're living the way the old world lives. Children of disobedience is what he says. The old devil made our lives miserable. We were in bondage to him. And again, that's that same ugly spirit that guides this lost world guys can you listen hey anybody watch politics at all i mean i I can only watch so much of it before i have to run to the bathroom but i i mean anybody else watch politics watch what's going on right now this supreme court nominee can you believe the way politicians grown men and women how how they are acting i mean how does that happen I just really believe it's when you yield to that spirit that's in this world, it'll take you in any direction. You act foolish in many cases. It's why we have all the chaos in the world that we have today and all the wickedness worldwide. It's, it's, why, it's why abortion is no big deal to the world and, and politicians, no problem with abortion. And you still understand, guys, I know we're in church and I know we're in 2018 now and we've progressed along, so to speak, But do you still understand that abortion is taking the life of an innocent little baby? Anybody else say amen to that? Am I alone in that? Have we gotten a little slack on that? That's why it's not a problem to the world. They're walking according to the course of this world. That ugly spirit is what drives them. God says, hey, can I ring a little bell here for you a minute? That's where you used to be. I never did any of those things, but that same spirit was leading you. And had it gotten its way, it would have taken you further and further. But Jesus got into your heart, didn't he? And gave you life and changed the course that you were on. Let's look at that for a minute. What did Christ do for us? Let's go into the present state now. Enough of the past, amen? I'm so glad I have a new present present right now. Verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy... Yay. That's so good, isn't it? For his, it's not just mercy and love, it's rich in mercy and great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, I mean, that was when we were ugly and filthy. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. He just kind of puts that in there at the end and says, By grace you're saved. Well, I know that. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey, wait a minute. You remember just a moment ago how filthy and ugly and rotten and all the other terms you want to add to it? Remember how we used to be? You wouldn't want to sit by one of those persons, even us, in here. And God says, now I'm going to sit you right beside me in heaven. Can anybody get that? And made us sit together in heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come, 
That's just the years that roll on by. It doesn't mean just finally when, when we finally get to heaven. It could be a reference even to right now. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For, hey, can we read these two verses together? Are you there in verse 8 and 9 with me? Can we read them out loud? I'd like to hear your voice. Verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Praise the Lord. Man, that's so good. I, I, I love what Jesus did for me. And the more you understand, please get this, the more you understand who you were, the better this makes you feel when you read these, these verses we just read. When I understand how far gone I really was and that Satan was the one that was leading my life. I don't care if I was raised in a Christian home. I was lost. My spirit was being led in an opposite direction that God wanted me to go. And when I, under, when I understand how bad it was and I see what God has done for me, the more I understand how bad it was, what's, what I have right now gets better and better every day. You can't help but praise the Lord for that. So he quickened us. Uh, there, look in verse... Five, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. I had a, I had a lawnmower, I think, I think you call them two strokes uh, um, engines, that you got to add uh, oil to the gasoline. Am I right with that? Okay. So I brought a lawnmower to the old church, 622 South Sycamore, one night. Several of us guys were out there mowing the lawn, trying to get the, the the church looking good for the service for the next day, and uh, somebody had the gas can sitting out there, and I'd ran out of gas. I quickly filled my gas tank back up, and in about three minutes, I'm going along, and that thing just... I don't mean it didn't go... It went... Does anybody know what that sound uh, means? That means you locked the engine up. I didn't have any oil in the gasoline I had poured in there. It was pure gasoline. There was no lubrication. That engine was getting hotter than a firecracker. And I don't know, are there pistons inside of those, in, those little engines? Uh, locked up as my guess. And that thing was tighter than a drum. And I'm like, <laughs> only lawnmower. I'm like, oh man, I ruined my whole lawnmower. I can't even mow my house. And I just, I drug the thing back to the house. And, and I, but before I did that, I tried to start it several times. That thing's dead. I mean, I couldn't hardly get the cord pulled. It was locked up. And I just took it home and I just thought it's hmm, nice paperweight. You know, probably not something I want to sit in the front yard as a decoration, probably. It's trash. Somebody came over to the house Later on, I was talking about it. We got to talking about, uh, you know, yeah, I got to find me another used lawnmower somewhere. And they said, what happened? And I told them the story and uh, what I had done. And they go, you know, sometimes those things will loosen up a little bit. And I'm like, uh, not that thing is one solid piece of metal. It is locked up. He says, have you tried it recently? I'm like, no, but watch this. Prum, that thing started right up. I looked at him. He looked at me. I shut it off because it still had just gas in it. I had poured all that gas out, and I put the right stuff in there. Man, I was so happy. I had me a lawnmower. That thing, I, I'm grass in the backyard. Uh, I went out and bailed that grass in the backyard. I was so happy. My lawnmower had life. Jesus said, he has quickened us. Look in verse 5 again. When we were dead, locked up, worthless, Jesus came along 
and gave me life with his rich mercy and his great love. I understand when people say things like, he would never want to save someone like me. But you don't understand what rich mercy is like. You don't understand what great love is like. God can love anybody, no matter what you've done and where you've been in life. No matter how dead you are, dead is just dead. And he has rich mercy for you. If you'd be willing to let him, he'd save you today, friend. I would beg you not to leave this service today until you knew Jesus Christ was your Savior. So he also seated us in heaven once we got saved. Did you notice that wording? Has seated us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. So what's that mean? I'm seated in the heavenlies with Christ. I'll use a word uh, positionally. I know practically speaking we're sitting here, but positionally I'm, I'm in, in Christ and I'm with Jesus. In that sense, I'm with Jesus. I, I remember I went and spoke at a, somebody's conference or banquet one time and, I, and I'm walking around trying to figure out where I was supposed to sit and a guy come running up to me and says, you're the speaker? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, and he said, come here. And he brought me right over to a, the speaker's table, had a little placard there, had my name on it. Nobody was taking my place. And it was as good as if I was already sitting there. It belonged to me because it was reserved for me. It's what Peter told us. We have a reservation in heaven. And I'm seated. It's, it's as good as if I'm there right now. And I got to tell you this, you're not there one day and gone the next and then oh I got my heart right again and now I'm back in heaven with God once you're seated with God you're seated you don't lose your salvation it's forever praise God it tells us there in verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his in kindness in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus so what he's trying to say is that everybody in every generation we will be able to see that Jesus freely saves those who come to him for salvation. I mean, every time you hear my salvation experience, nine years old, sitting in a church service about right back there, and God convicted my heart, I went forward the next night and I got saved. I mean, every time you hear that a salvation experience, it's a testimony to the generation of people around us about the rich grace of God and what God does for man. And when we sat at the men's uh, uh, camp out yesterday and, and Friday night, and praise God, we had a wonderful time. I mean, it was a great camp out. Um, it, it was better than the hamburgers and, uh, and the brats and the hot dogs and the cookies and the uh, those cinnamon rolls in the morning well I can remember all that food can I it was even better than that when I heard the testimonies of the men and I could see the weeping and know that God changed wicked lives and that's a testimony it was a testimony to all the men sitting around there to that generation that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and you need to give your testimony in this generation and then the next generation needs to hear the testimony that Jesus saves us I believe that's what he's trying to say to us here look in verse 8 for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it's the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. By grace simply means that this great kindness that Christ has given to us is purely a free gift. Here's the truth of the matter. 
Grace means it has to be free. And the minute somebody tries to earn their salvation, do some kind of a work, I don't care if it's baptism, I don't care if it's joining a church, trying to live a good life, that's a work. And if you try to offer that to God in exchange for his salvation, you just slew grace. Grace has to be by pure, uh, a pure gift. And how do I get saved? I just call upon the name of the Lord and that free gift of God comes to me. It's by grace are we saved. Titus tried to tell us that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You're saved by the grace of God, not by your works. Again, it's not your church membership. It's not your mom or your daddy's salvation or the fact that your grandpa and and your great-grandpa and a long line of preachers are preachers in our family. I'm glad they're preachers. Are you saved? What they have done has nothing to do with you. If you could do something for it, Jesus would never have had to have died for us on Calvary. And then we get into verse 10. Please notice this. For we are his workmanship. Here we go created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Hey, listen, look up here, and I want to take these last few minutes and share this with you. You don't get saved by good works, but once you are saved, you should do good works. That's the purpose. That's the reason. That's why God lifted me out of the miry clay and set my feet on a solid rock and established my goings. I said, Philip, I have a purpose for your life. I, I, I have a, a list of things that you can do that'll just be transforming to the lives of people around you. I need to use you. I want to show you, first of all, um, that it says there, look at it, we are his workmanship. Once again, God clears it up as to how we got saved by his own workmanship. Now, I want to show you something this morning. I don't know if you've Notice that I had a little carving up here. And I know you can't see it the very best from where you are. But this is an eagle, and it is a carved handwork, the handiwork of somebody that did this for me. George, are you back there? Can, can, can you get a hold of George there and just remind him, George, this was from, this is from your brother. Your brother carved this for me. And George went and had him make this eagle for me. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. I love this. It's probably my favorite, uh, um, what do you call these things, keepsakes that's in my office. Um, once I mentioned that one of my favorite verses is Isaiah 40, 31, will mount up with wings as eagles. I, my office is full of eagles now, and I love that. I mentioned one time I love uh, lighthouses, and I don't know how many lighthouses I, I have in my office. I love that. But what I, what I want you to know and understand here this morning is that it's something that uh, is, is special to me. It's special because of who it's from, who carved it, and it was their handiwork. They put a lot of labor and effort into that. And, and, and it was made to be able to sit in my office and to remind me of that verse that I quoted to you just a minute ago. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And I love that thought, and it means so much to me. And it certainly has fulfilled that purpose for me. And every time I glance over and I see that, it reminds me of how I can soar with God and I can rise up above the things of this world. It's, done, it's, uh, it's been a tremendous tool that sits in my office. 
But guys, so much more than the handiwork of this eagle is the handiwork of the person that God has made me that what I am today. I mean, God reached inside of me and and, he's, and like this man took all this time, I mean, to carve out all the little feathers and, and all the little portions of this eagle so that it looks beautiful. The hand of God, his handiwork, reached down inside of me and changed me into the image that I am today. I look like him now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what does the Bible say? He's a new creature. Creature created by the hand of God. We're made by God's hand. My salvation is of Him. And then notice again, one last time there as we get into verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Guys, what's the next thing you're supposed to do after you get saved? Biblically, what's the next thing God brings up after salvation is baptism. A lot of people will attach baptism to their salvation and say it's because of my baptism that I am saved. And that's, uh, they've misconstrued the word of God there. But after you get saved, the next thing you should do is follow through in a believer's baptism. Let folks see as an outward testimony of what Christ has done for you inwardly. Christ's death, burial, and his resurrection. I've been raised to new life like Christ was. And, um, and it's based upon that handiwork that God has done inside of me. And I would just simply say this this morning. Please get this. The reason God saved you. Well, he didn't want me to go to hell. And praise God, I do believe that. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe that with all my heart. I think God wants every person in the world saved. And I don't think God wants one person in here to die and spend eternity. Think about this, guys. Burning in a devil's hell. I know God doesn't want that. He created us as his little children and and he loves us dearly. But God saved me so that I could go out of here and begin serving him and giving my life unto what he calls good works now and getting involved in doing something for the sake of Christ. And I would just say this to you, are you fulfilling the purpose that God made you for, created on the inside of you? Are you actively involved? Or is your, does your Christian life consist of sitting in church Getting up and walking out and going out of here and carrying my Bible, picking it back up sometimes on Wednesday nights or sometimes not till next Sunday morning. And if that's what your Christian life consists of, can I just ask you, are you really fulfilling the purpose God made you for? Because I created you. The handiwork of God was so that I would be unto good works. All in good measure, all in proportion and prioritize for sure some folks want to serve God so much that almost overdo it but are you doing what God made you to do can you honestly say I feel like God could be very pleased with the kind of life I've been living and what I'm doing for him right now or are there things that if the father came to you and said you know I've given you a brand new life and I've saved you and I've changed you inside out and you're not, your life is not to be lived just this frivolous fashion, but I have a purpose and a plan for you. Uh, can, can you honestly say right now, I feel like I'm following that purpose and that plan? And if you don't know what that would be, would you ask him? Would you just, somewhere in the service today, we're going to give an invitation, the altars would be here. I know a lot of you like to pray right there in the pew, but something about coming to an old-fashioned altar that seems to solidify and seal it. 
What are you doing now that God has taken you from your past, brought you into this present state, and says now for your future, do some good works. Do those things I want you to do. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.